0: Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. I read a story this week um, about a guy in Michigan who found something pretty cool. Um, he was, uh, in 1988, this guy, his name is David Masaryk, and he bought this property in Michigan. And it was a lot of acres and different things, had a house, and it had a barn on it. And so he moved in in 1988, and, you know, that was his place now. He lived there. And so he used the house, he used the barn, everything in 2018, okay, so that's 30 years after moving into this place. He's watching the news, and there's this news article about this guy who found um, a rock, basically, that was worth a lot of money, and, and so David thought, you know what, I've got a rock like that. I've got a picture of it here for you to see. He, he had a rock, there it is, and it was in his barn. He's like, I, I've seen that, you know, I've had this rock in my barn, looks just like the one I'm seeing on the news. I wonder if my rock is is worth anything you know and so he loads up this thing it's a 23 pound rock and he takes it to uh, the University of Central Michigan he takes it to their geology department and he takes it to a professor there and uh, has it has it kind of inspected as soon as the the geologist looked at it she knew like this is something special and so she took a couple samples of it and actually sent it off to the Smithsonian and whenever it came back uh, they were kind of blown away. What he actually had uh, was, was a meteorite, <laughs> you know, uh, something from space, and uh, it was worth over $100,000. $100,000, right? And so he got to research it, and, and apparently the old farmer guy that he bought the place from, in the 30s, um, there was a loud boom outside one night, <laughs> and so the next morning he went out, found the crater, and dug up that rock and just put it in the barn, Right? And so, you know, David walked by that thing every day for, for 30 years, and, and the scientists actually said that this thing is the most valuable thing that she's physically held, uh, both monetarily and scientifically. Right? Just an amazing find. So, um, how many of you are like inspired to go check out your flower beds and, <laughs> and your barn this afternoon for a meteorite? I mean, that's, that's pretty cool, right? So I tell you that story because today we're actually talking about something that was found. And when it was, like it, it changed everything. And the thing about it is, is what I'm praying for us this morning is the same would be true for us. That we would find it, realize that it's a treasure, and then it would change everything about us, right? And so before we jump into the text, I want us to pray... And um, I'm going to pray for us, but as I do, why don't you just take a moment, just right where you are, and just pray for yourself, and ask God to speak to you in this time. Let's pray. God, we just want to pause and, and ask, as we open up your word to us, that you would speak. got to pray that we would hear nothing that I would have to say, but everything that you would have to say to us this morning. That's why we're here. We, we believe that this book that we hold in our laps is, is your actual word, and that through your spirit, you will change us and mold us more into the likeness of Jesus, and so we're asking you to do that now. We're listening, and we love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right. 2 Kings chapter 22. Let's pick up in verse 18, okay? So, so there's, there's been a discovery that's happened the king's name is Josiah. He, he became king at eight years of age, and now here he is after this discovery has been made. Look at verse 18. Say this to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants that they would become a desolation and a curse, and because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. Therefore, I will indeed gather you to your fathers, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm bringing on this place, and they reported that to the king. All right, so this is our final message in in our king's series today and as we jump in i'm going to set some context for us but i want us to really focus into today on two words and that is heard and heart okay we're going to focus in there in this text and we're going to see it but the context of what's happening if you were to go back and read all of chapter 22 you would kind of get this picture of what's what's happening so josiah is the king of judah and last week, we talked about a guy named Hezekiah, if you remember that. Hezekiah, he laid out his, uh, his prayer before the Lord, right? Hezekiah is Josiah's great-great-grandfather, and he- Hezekiah was a great king. Josiah is a great king, but in between the two, uh, you have Josiah's grandpa and dad, and both of those guys were not good kings. They both turned to idol worship and different things. And so what you have, whenever you open chapter 22 is Josiah, the king, has instructed for the temple to be rebuilt again. A few weeks ago, we talked about a guy named Joash, right? This is a different story. Both of them were repairing the temple after a bad king had turned to idol worship. And that's what happened. Manasseh was the king. He turned the temple towards idol worship. And so now Josiah is coming in, and he's turning things back to the Lord. And as this temple repair is taking place, they find a book. They find a book. And you see that up in verse verse 8. And if it's lost, that means, or if it's, I guess if it's found, that means that it was lost. And so the best that people understand it is that during Manasseh's reign, whenever he turned everything to idol worship, this book was discarded, okay? And so now they've, they've found it again. And what's kind of funny in this story is Josiah the king, his secretary, comes to him, and, and in verse 9 and 10, she's like, or he is, uh, he's describing how the temple repair is going on, like, he's given an update. We're using the silver for this. And oh, by the way, just almost casually, he's like, we found a book. We found a book, right? And so as you're reading that, you're like, well, what did they find, right? What they found, most people believe, is the book of Deuteronomy. It's the book of the law, the book of Deuteronomy, which is super interesting. Because what we see is Josiah hears it, and he responds in a very real way. And I, and I, I think to really understand this story, we need to understand what the book of Deuteronomy is about, right? So the book of Deuteronomy is is Moses' final words. He's on his deathbed, and he's writing to the people of Israel, and it's his his final, final words. And in the book of Deuteronomy, it kind of breaks down into three speeches, okay? The first speech is basically him saying, remember all that the Lord has done. There's a whole section in the book of Deuteronomy where it's that. It's like, don't you remember how the Lord delivered us from 400 years of slavery, you know? Do you remember how, like, he brought the plagues, and he changed uh, Pharaoh's heart, and, and, and we were delivered from 400 years of slavery? And do you remember how God uh, opened up the Red Sea so that we could walk through on dry land, and how he protected us, and how as soon as we got to the other side, like, the waters closed over the army of Egypt? And do you remember how God provided for us in the wilderness? And, made us breakfast every morning and and how he led us by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud of smoke by day and he brought water out of a rock not once but twice for us and it's this whole section, this whole speech about do you remember the faithfulness of God? And if you do, the second speech is then follow God's commands. Follow the law, right? Follow the law and what he's teaching them in that time is that the path to blessing is through Obedience. There's this passage um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's called the greatest command, or the word in Hebrew is Shema. It's the Shema passage. I want you to see it. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a big one in the book of Deuteronomy. And so, as you you imagine, as Josiah is hearing this book that they found read to him, he's hearing this, right? Deuteronomy 6 4. This is the Shema. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. It's kind of interesting. I actually have a little shema, a rolled up piece of paper in a little glass tube uh, nailed to the doorpost of our front door. One of my mentors uh, here at Second, a guy named Ricky Buck, uh, he gave that to me for Christmas. And it's, it's just a reminder that as for this house, like we're gonna love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul and all our strength. We're gonna teach our kids to do the same, right? So we actually have one of these posted on our, on our door. But the word Shema, this Hebrew word, actually means hear and respond. Hear and respond meaning that hearing God's commands demands a response from us, okay? When we hear God's commands, it demands a response. And he uses a lot of heart language. Did you notice that? Like, several times it said heart. It raises a question, like, how do we love God with all of our heart? Or how do we put his words in our heart, right? Um... One thing that we need to know as we're getting into all this this morning is that in the Bible, the heart means the center of a person. So it's not necessarily talking about the blood pumping thing in your chest. It's talking about the center of who you are. It's your whole life. It's your character, your emotions, your intellect, your thoughts, your actions, your commitments, your, your decisions, everything about you. That's what's represented here by the heart. The heart. And so when we respond to him, we respond with all of that. Everything about us. Everything about us, we respond to him, right? And so he, he, he reminds them what God's done. He urges them to, uh, he, he tells them to follow God's commands. And then the last speech in Deuteronomy is he's urging them to respond appropriately. He says, if you respond appropriately, then the Lord is going to bless you. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, this is another big one in the book of Deuteronomy. God says in Deuteronomy 30, 15, he says, I'm placing before you two choices, basically. I'm placing before you life and prosperity or death and adversity. So choose one. And then down in verse 19, he says, so choose life. So that you and your descendants may live. And that's this whole section, like he puts this choice out in front of us. And he says, remember what I've done, follow my commands, and now it's up to you to choose. So which one are you going to choose? And he talks about how if you choose opposite of him, that it's not gonna end well for you, but he urges us and them to choose life, right? And so the whole book of Deuteronomy, the whole message really, is is you're left reading it going, how will they respond? How will you respond? That's the message of Deuteronomy, and so King Josiah hears this, right? He hears this book read, this book of Deuteronomy. It's read to him, and he responds, and he responds with his whole heart. That's what I want us to see this morning. I want you to see the heart response of Josiah, okay? So he heard this book that was found and has now been read to him, and then he responds. Look at verse 19 again. God says this through this prophetess named Huldah, and we don't have time to get into all of that, but like there's, a, there's something that happened. The book is read to him. He responds, and then he says, go find out what all this means. Go ask the prophetess Huldah what it means, and she comes back and says, this is what it all means. Because you responded this, verse 19, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. What we see here is his heart response starts with a tender heart. Starts with a tender heart. He says, because your heart was tender. I think what that means is that he was willing to listen. Okay, a tender heart. You're willing willing to listen. It's the opposite of a rebellious or a hard heart heart. It's it's hearing the word and going, this sounds right. This sounds right. I'm willing to listen to this. In the gospels, um, three of the four gospel accounts in the New Testament tell, tell this parable where Jesus talked about this farmer sowing seed. You've heard that one, right? He talks about a, a farmer, and he throws out this seed to, to be uh, planted, but it lands in all kinds of different areas. It lands in four, four different areas, and, and what Jesus says, how he explains this parable later, is that this story that he's, he's using is, is a picture of God's word being delivered, and it falling on all kinds of various heart conditions, okay? All kinds of heart conditions, and so in the parable, some of the seed lands on the sidewalk, and it's eaten by birds, some of it lands on really hard ground, and it's, it's burnt up by the sun. Some of the seed lands in like this, uh, like in the weeds and in the thorns, and it's, it's choked out. And Jesus explains all that. If you wanna read Luke chapter eight this afternoon, you can read about what those different things mean. But then he says, but some of it landed in good soil, and it takes root, and it begins to grow, and it actually produces fruit. And he explains in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, what that soil is. He says, But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones who, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, they produce fruit. Okay, so this is tender heart. This is a, a soil that is ready to receive the word. So, so, the picture in that parable is that as the gospel goes out, some people have tender hearts towards it, other people are hardened towards it, other people have hard hearts towards the message. And so, as it goes out, it, it either is going to harden a heart or it's going to soften a heart, and it's actually through that mystery. Like, we don't understand, why, why would that happen? But it's actually through that mystery of God hardening and softening hearts that actually the kingdom of God advances, throughout the Bible, you see people who some believed and some did not believe, right, over and over again, and we see how God actually uses that to further his kingdom. I mean, think of the crucifixion. People who denied Jesus, crucified Jesus, he became the sacrifice that we needed for our sin, do you see? And so over and over, God is using this through the Bible, but ultimately, it's God and God alone that softens hearts to respond to him. Because on our own, our hearts are hard, and they're sinful, the Bible talks about. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful above anything else. In fact, it says that the heart is incurable, right? It's incurable. And so that's where the good news of, of the gospel breaks in, that our, heart, our hearts were hard towards him, that we are sinful, broken people But through Jesus, he steps in, he sacrifices himself for us so that we might know him. And when that happens, God begins to transform our hard heart, softens our heart to hear the word and respond to it. Does that make sense? And so Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6 actually talks about how this happens. It says that the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. And so we have this hard heart inside of us and God circumcises our heart and the hearts of your descendants and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live, okay? And so we understand God does this, that he produces a tender heart in us that is willing to listen to the word. And so if we could just call a time out real quick, like if you feel this morning a tenderness towards the word of God, like you, you think, I'm willing to listen to that. I want to listen to that. Don't miss that that is the grace of God in your life, that he has made your heart tender to the point of being willing to listen to the message. And now the question is, is how will we respond? How will we respond? What we see Josiah do is he had a tender heart. Second, he had a humbled heart. He says, you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. So so before it's a willingness to listen, now a humbled heart is a willingness to admit the truth, willing to admit the truth, that the truth has taken root in my heart, and now I see. I see that I'm wrong, that I don't measure up, that I don't, I don't fall in any kind of superior stance in this relationship that he is God and I am not like you're willing to admit that truth and then a humbled heart leads to third a broken heart a broken heart he says because you have torn your clothes and wept before me see what we need to know is that tearing clothes was like this picture it was an outward evidence of what's happened on the inside There's an outward evidence of the grief that you feel, so it's proof to everyone else around you of what's going on inside of you. Um, Last Saturday was uh, move-in day for all of the colleges in Conway. And uh, at Second, we love college students. And so we're pumped whenever they come back to town. And, uh, and so it was Saturday and I took my family to drive by. We just wanted to see the college students moving back into UCA and CBC and the different colleges around. And so we drove by UCA. And um, when it, we got to that roundabout that's there on College and Donaghy. It's right by all the sorority houses and the fraternity houses, you know what I'm talking about? And, and so we, we were coming up to that roundabout, and in the middle, there's this dude, and he's standing there in nothing but his whitey tidies, and he's got this sign held up that says, I'm bad at fantasy football, <laughs> right? And so it was like, I guess that was his punishment for losing his league, and I thought, that's awesome. That's the, <laughs> that's the coolest punishment I've seen for fantasy football, you know? About 20 of his buddies... We're like sitting in lawn chairs over here just watching him and laughing at him. (laughs) But he was just owning it, you know, like he he was owning it. It was this visual thing that he had lost that he, you know, and and that's kind of what we see here with Josiah. (laughs) Kind of, right? It's a visible action that he was willing to own it. He humbles himself, and now he's broken, and so it's a, visual, it's a visible outward evidence of the grief that he feels, and so it's not just I feel bad because feeling bad with no action toward change is useless, and so it's not that he just feels bad. We have to put some, some feet to our feelings, and that's what we see here. There's action here. It's a picture of repentance. See, in your life, whenever you have sin in your life, you have a couple of options. You can either be apathetic towards it or you can take some action towards it. You can either be apathetic or you can take some action. And if you're apathetic towards your sin, you may try to hide it and just act like it doesn't exist or there's no big deal. But listen, it won't go away that way. Your sin is not just gonna go away And you're never going to take steps towards being like Jesus if you just try and hide it and act like it doesn't exist. Maybe you could be apathetic towards your sin. And so you say, I'm going to confess it and I'm going to admit it. But if you never really put any action towards it, it's, it's no good. This looks a lot like confessing it on Tuesday and finding yourself right back there on Friday. And it's just a brutal cycle and it's frustrating. I call it playing the Christian game. So We want to be different than that, right? We, we want to be people who take action against sin, people who respond with their whole heart, not only confess their sin, but they do something about it. And so you're like, what does that mean? If money is a thing that hangs you up, you take action against it. You put it in its proper place through generosity. You know, if money is a thing that you're prideful about, that you, you start giving it away and the Lord will start working in your heart towards it right? If, if, if work is an idol in your life, calendar time away. Like, they can make it without you. They can. If, if the internet at your fingertips is an issue, find ways to protect yourself. Maybe having your phone right by your head at night when it's dark and you're all alone is not the best idea. I've heard people say, but, but it's my alarm clock. Well, here's an idea. Buy an alarm clock. (laughs) Right? Buy an alarm clock. Put your phone in the other room. Take some action against it. Maybe social media, maybe news outlets are turning your brain into pudding. And you know like, that they're just, there's this algorithm that's designed to actually keep you clicking, but you just keep doing it anyway. Man, delete apps. Get a flip phone. Have you heard of those? I don't even know if they still sell those or not. But get a flip phone. Man, like, do whatever you have to do. Take some action against it. The point is, just feeling bad about your hangups is not enough. If you never take any steps to set up roadblocks, you'll be right back to it in a matter of days. Proverbs calls this, Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit. So we set up roadblocks and we take action against those things that hang us up. And what we see in this story is that Josiah heard and he understood that Deuteronomy clearly teaches that the choice to love God will be evidenced by your actions. Be evidenced by your actions. Like, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Your actions don't save you. There are too many people just trying to do enough for God so that he will love them, but your actions are the evidence that something has happened in your heart, that God has done something, he's transformed you. So Josiah ripping up his shirt isn't what saved him, but it was the outward evidence that something inside has happened. And so we should all examine our life and ask, is there any evidence that God has saved me? Is there any evidence in my life that God has saved me? The Bible talks a lot about fruit and how how your life produces good and godly things if you're really planted in good soil. Soil. That's where that parable goes that the seed fell on good ground and then it produced fruit. So ask yourself is there any evidence that God has saved me? And see because Josiah heard and he responded. Now we see that God responds back. Right? That's where the story finishes. God hears and he responds. Look at verse 19. He says I myself have heard. Isn't that cool? Like, Josiah heard and responded, and now God hears, and he's going to respond as well. This is the Lord's declaration, verse 20. Therefore, I will indeed gather you to your ancestors, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm bringing on this place. See, because of Josiah's response of repentance, God promises peace and protection. He promises peace and protection. See, Josiah heard the choice between life and death out of Deuteronomy 30, 15, and he chose life. And God upholds his end of the deal. And so the main point for us today is what you do with the words in this book is the difference between life and death. What we do with this Like the word has been found and it's been given to us. So what we do with the warnings and the the promises and all of that that's in here, what we do with that is the difference between life and death. Look at Deuteronomy 32. It'll be on the screen for you. Deuteronomy 32, 46. Remember, Josiah is hearing all this as they're reading it to him after the book has been found. God said to them, take to heart All these words I'm giving you as a warning to you today. So that you may command your children to follow all the words of this law carefully. For they are not meaningless words to you, but they are your life. And by them, you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. See, Josiah began to hear and he began to understand that the warnings in the book of Deuteronomy and what we could say the warnings throughout scripture are not mean they are love think about the amount of time that God gave them I mean, he's warning them and urging them like, follow me turn towards me don't turn to that thing and then he forgives them over and over and over again there's a significant amount of time where these warnings are in place and the same is true for us like God has warned us He's offered us, choose, choose life. I'm placing before you life and death, and so choose. And he's given us time, and that time right now is love and it's grace in order to follow after him. And so the warnings of God are not mean, they are love. And the words of God, it says, are not meaningless, they are life. They are life. You remember um, the rock I was telling you about at the beginning? Um, that rock in, in Michigan, the meteorite that was worth over $100,000. The craziest part of that story to me is that David Mazur had that rock in his barn for 30 years. This thing that was in his barn but should have been in a museum, and he used it for 30 years as a doorstop. It was the doorstop of his barn. Every day, he walked by it, kicked it out of the way, slammed the old barn door against it, kicked dust up on it and whatever else is in a barn. Just treated it, I mean, he treated it like a rock, you know? And so here was this treasure being used as nothing more than a doorstop until one day, he realized the treasure that he had found. And I want us to see this morning, do we understand the treasure that we have in his word. That the God of the universe spoke to us, took the time through hundreds of years, tons of different authors to put together one story and one book for us. That we call his word. Like, do we see that for the treasure that it is? Or do we just put it aside? Donald Whitney, he's a professor at Southern Seminary and he he wrote like the gold standard on spiritual disciplines and in his book he, he said the worst dust storm in history would happen if all church members who were neglecting their bibles dusted them off at the same time you know I don't think we fully understand the treasure that we have and so the application for us this morning is is pretty simple first treasure the word like realize the treasure that you have sitting in your lap. Treasure the word. Deuteronomy 32 47. We understand that they are not meaningless words, but they are your life. And so ask yourself do I treasure the word? Donald Whitney says it's impossible to have a healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and meat of Scripture. It's impossible. It's the most important of all the spiritual disciplines is it's time in the word because this is where God speaks to you. This is where God begins to tenderize your heart. It begins to draw you to himself. So we understand that his words are not meaningless. They are our life, right? The second application point is when we understand that and God has softened our heart to be willing to listen to him, well, then we respond. And we respond with a humble heart and a broken heart. And so the, the message of the gospel and the offer to you today is that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today is the day that you can do that. The story of Scripture is that we are broken people with hard hearts, but the God of the universe stepped into this earth on a rescue mission to save us that he went to a cross and he died a death that you and I were supposed to die. And when he did, he was dead for three days and then three days later, he came bursting out of a grave alive. And when he does that, the offer of life is available to you and to me. Everything necessary has been done for you to know God. Like know him, have relationship with him. And so if you feel right now, like you feel God has tenderized your heart and you feel like I'm willing to listen to that. I feel like that's true. Like, well, then the question is, how will you respond? Everything necessary has been done. The response is left up to us. And so this morning, in the best way that you know how, in the best way that you understand it, you just cry out to him. Say, God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I don't measure up to your standard. But I know that Jesus does, and so I'm going to place my trust and my life in him. And you can do that this morning. That offer is available to everyone. And so maybe that's your step this morning. And if that's you, in a moment, whenever we pray, just cry out to the Lord. Confess your sin to him. Ask him to save you, and he will. Fill out the little thing in the bulletin saying today I want to know Jesus. Or come talk to me. I would love to talk to you and pray with you. But don't leave today without getting it right with the Lord. Respond to him. And so that's true. Like if if you don't know Jesus, that is your response. But maybe you're here and you're like, I do know Jesus. I I am a Christian. I want you to understand that repentance is not just a one-time thing. Repentance is not just the diving board that gets you into the pool of Christianity. Repentance is the thing that you swim in. <laughs> and it's an ongoing, daily thing. Right? Jesus talked about it this way in Mark chapter 1. He, he, says, he says to repent and believe, but the way that that actually translates is he's saying keep on repenting. Just keep on, keep on repenting. And so as Christians, we understand like there's a moment where we repent once and we are justified before a holy God. We understand that. But it's a daily thing of becoming more and more like Christ where we repent of our sin, we we hear the words, the warnings that he's given us, and we respond humbly and broken to those things. It's a process called sanctification of just walking and becoming more and more like Jesus, regularly confessing sinful thoughts and attitudes and actions as we continually take steps with Jesus. And so the message this morning is hear the word and respond with all your heart. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.